As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Ever wished you were a fly on the wall in a football club? Now is your chance. From fighting relegation to their first ever North London derby win. So what's changed at Spurs? The Athletic went behind the scenes to find out. I'm Sophie Penny and from The Athletic, this is Full Time Europe. today it's the athletics women's football reporter charlotte harper hi charlotte morning sophie and we've got two charlies today the athletics tottenham correspondent charlie eccleshare is with us as well hi charlie hi how are you doing very well thank you later we'll be talking about the online abuse directed at lauren james with the athletics chloe morgan I think it's important to acknowledge that there is this additional racial factor in the abuse that takes place that only occurs with certain players But first, a huge 1-0 win over Arsenal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for Spurs, especially after the Gunners beat Chelsea so convincingly the week before. You both, Charlie times two, went behind the scenes at Spurs Women recently for a big piece, which is out on The Athletic. Everyone should definitely give that one a read. We're talking dressing room, on the team bus. How did this come about and what kind of access did you manage to get? It was amazing access that we kept... um... Yeah, thinking, oh, I wonder if we'll be able to do that. And then we could. Uh, yeah, so Charlotte and I were invited in. And yeah, for basically the whole week leading up to the game against Manchester United, uh, the weekend before the one just gone. So yeah, it was everything. It was dressing room at half time, dressing room before the game, after the game. It was the team bus on the way back. It was during the week, it was team meetings, uh, individual meetings that Robert was having, uh, training sessions. Yeah, it was fascinating just seeing how a club operates and just being in the building at Hotspur Way, which is Tottenham's training complex. There's a, a women's team building, uh, which is where we were. Yeah, it was um, it was really, really good. I'm looking forward to, to hearing all about it on this. Obviously, they had the North London Derby at the weekend. Charlotte, take us through what the days leading up to a match like this would look like from behind the scenes. 
So they have a very structured environment and, and a regular routine. So players have to report by 8.45. Breakfast is from 8 to 9.15. Players doing rehab. So, for example, Drew Spence and Ellie Brazil, they would swim at 8 o'clock in the morning over in the men's building. Uh, you'd have your team meeting at 9.15, then go into the gym for your pre-activation, warm-up exercises, and then out to training 10.45 lunch at 12.30. So you, you get a very uh, structured picture of what it's like. Obviously, that can change depending on whether it's a match day minus one or even match day itself. So when I was with them on match day, kickoff was at 6.45. So players didn't have to report until 3 p.m. And it's a huge machine. There are so many cogs in this machine. And that is how the best football clubs are run when those cogs all work smoothly. But in terms of logistics, there is a lot going on. And in terms of on match day, like you said there, say they're in the North London derby, no one's scored, it's nil-nil, things aren't going their way. Let's play you a taste of a type of halftime talk that Charlotte recorded from Spurs. So we have to get, the midfielder has to come a little bit deep now to help manage it so that we don't get pulled. Okay. Shall I go out then? Because I don't, I'll come back in because I feel like we're lost in the body. See if you can hold a line a little bit more as well. A bit higher. Yeah. yeah. Don't drop too early. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps here you can actually have her offside quite yeah. easily. I think you've got to go over there, Amy, because there's no one to take her. But then we have to see the edge security. We've got to make sure we're locked on at the edge. There's no cutbacks available. Yeah. Great cover though, she. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. So this was the halftime talk at Manchester United. The first thing that stuck out to me was the smell of deep heat gel. If anyone has that, smell, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that deep heat, which is a gel used for muscle relief or muscle pain and soreness. And it was very calm. It wasn't frenetic. You, you know, they have the traditional... Sir Alex Ferguson, hairdryer treatment, or any, it wasn't like that at all. Uh, the voices were quiet. Villaham uh, asked for Captain Bethany England's thoughts straight away to the group. And then he spoke. An analyst would put up a clip on a projector to just one clip to focus in on what was going wrong and, and what was going right and how they could solve those issues. Players would then contribute. Amy Turner, defender, for example, said, you know, should I be stepping out there? There's a back and forth with coaches and players. Vicky Jepson, the assistant, would have her input. And then Villaham would check in with individuals. So he went to Celine Bizet and they spoke in their native language as well. Jessica Naz had a, a calf rub down on, on the physio um, table, which was in the dressing room. Some would go to the toilet and then the bell rings and they're lining up again. It's It happens very quickly. But the biggest impression I had was one of calmness and uh, that is instilled by Robert Villaham's persona as well. Yeah, that is him all over. Like he really, I think that was certainly the impression we both got being around him was he is very calm. He really doesn't like to panic or raise his voice. And that does spread through. And I think what's really interesting, you know, seeing a clip and we saw them taking on lots of clips, something I'm really interested by. And this week was so good for that was they do get given so much information and it's so and it's about how you do it, making sure that you're, they're not overloaded. And But then the challenge for any footballer is you've got all this information, then being able to be clear headed enough to apply it when you've got 
you know, say on Saturday, you've got tens of thousands of people screaming or whatever. And I just think that's such a challenge for any individual and that they're able to do it is incredibly impressive. And, and Robert talks a lot about staying present. They do things like yoga. So yeah, it's quite a holistic approach. Um, and when it works, it's, it's just extremely satisfying because as Charlotte says, it, there are so many people involved in this. I think that's interesting about Robert Villaham having come in and he's obviously got this clear philosophy, like you say, both on and off the pitch. Obviously, he came in this season from Sweden, from FC Haken, and he actually tweeted after the Spurs game saying, Dear ChatGPT, show me how Tottenham Hotspur want to score goals. So he's got a clear philosophy and the goal against Arsenal typified it. Space opening up now for Tottenham. Here's Bizet. Naz is making herself available too. Bizet across, look at the Thomas! 40 seconds, seven passes, starting with uh, Barbara Votikova in goal. And that was her first WSL start since joining the club. And I think that exactly epitomised Robert's style, uh, playing out from the back, not uh, afraid to play in dangerous areas, not just hoofing it long, wanting to dominate the ball, dictate the game, create chances. And yeah, it's sometimes high risk, but high reward. I was talking to someone who has covered WSL for a long time yesterday, and they were saying it's such a contrast now because... What you used to have was that you had those, you know, the top teams and then the top teams when they played everyone else would basically just sit back and try and defend and hope they got something. And and look, let's not pretend Spurs had to do a lot of defending on the weekend and maybe they got fortunate, but you cannot score a goal like that if you're just defending and launching the ball, you know, and that goal comes from having that philosophy, being brave and doing something a bit different. So yeah, again, just so satisfying for him to see it actually come to fruition at such a big moment. Do you notice an alignment with the men's club in terms of that philosophy, Charlie? Yeah, definitely. And that was something spoke to both Robert Villaham and, and Ange Postacoglu about. And, you know, Postacoglu talked about how important it is to have that alignment across the club. And at Spurs, that, that's massive for them. You know, now with, you know, the growth in women's football is such an important pillar in any football club that, that if there's unity there, I just think it helps with all your decisions after that, you know, whether that's about signing players, hiring staff, you know, what you do on a daily basis. You know, if it's all aligned, I just think you've got a better chance of success. Academy teams, men's first team, women's first team, like it's all, they, they want to have that way of playing, both because they think it's the best way to get results, but also they want to have a kind of, you know, brand Tottenham. They, they want you to be able to see I, mean, I was speaking to Andy Rogers Charlotte and I both spoke to him a lot the managing director at Spurs and, and he's really hot on that and you know he has this idea of his dream is to be seeing people a couple of people playing in the park they're not wearing Spurs gear but you know that they play for Spurs because it's so obvious from what they're doing and you know this tangible style of play and I guess you know you think of the great institutions in football Barcelona clubs like that they have that um, you know, they have this very discernible way of playing. So, yeah, that alignment is is massive for Tottenham. The question I have is, how do they make a style like that work consistently in a league like the WSL, Charlotte? Because obviously they, when you were there with Man United, they, they lost 4-0, they'd lost 7-0 to City as well. How do they make it consistent? It's really hard. And the one thing that you need is time. And 
my impression is that Robert Villaham has been given that long-term project. This isn't just a quick fix. This isn't just a, you know, obviously it's a results-based business and they need results, but he has been afforded this long-term vision to establish himself and establish his style and repetition and not just doing it on the training field, but doing it in matches and not just doing it in friendlies, but when matches and there's something at stake. I mean, North London Derby, you couldn't really get bigger than this. And Villaham is not going to change his style of play just to chase success. But if, you, if you're comparing it to Barcelona, for example, that starts way, way back in the academy. That's how you're brought up as a footballer. And yeah. it's just then automatic. You're taught at such a young age that when you get into the first team, it's very minute changes, but it's not a complete change of style. So it's a philosophy that has to be in, embedded for for a long, long period of time. And Spurs are still at the very early stages of this journey. Yeah, I heard at La Masia they do the same drills throughout every single age group. So they mm. just repeat it. So you know they know what's coming. Essentially, you just get get better and better. In terms of that North London derby goal, Martha Thomas scored the goal. I think she has been so key for Spurs this season. She's joint second top goal scorer in the WSL right now. What was she like at training? What was her role in the team? Is she a leader? Is she more behind the scenes? The impression I got from Martha is just very professional. And managers seem to say that to me. And I was thinking, well, what does professional mean? And it's just, it's doing the basics really well. She was definitely one alongside Grace Clinton and Bethany England, who would speak up in meetings. And Robert Villaham would use her and Bethany England as reference points to check the squad's understanding. So he would rely on on that pair quite a lot saying, you know, Martha, did the group understand this? Martha, what do you think? And the same with Bethany England as well. But she would, she push for more. If something wasn't right, uh, she would address it uh, with the staff. But also having moved from Manchester United, I think she's been given that freedom. And Robert Villaham, this is part of his philosophy, is that he's not, he's going to give you a game model and a structure, but you have flexibility within that structure. And it's up to you to make those decisions. Because if I defer to the manager all the time, I'm not going to have independence of thought. So it's up to you to make those decisions. And if you make mistakes, that's okay. Robert is okay with playing with players making mistakes as long as it's in line with wanting to play that uh, style. And I think that's shown in Martha's attacking play and her, her goals that she's making decisions. Sometimes they'll come off, sometimes they won't. But she has that freedom. Very humble, very down to earth, just gets on with things really. She's obviously been a change this season. So has the manager, Robert Villaham. What else has changed behind the scenes? Because in March, Charlie, they were fighting a relegation, weren't they? That March point is seen as a kind of rock bottom moment when they sacked Rahan Skinner and had lost was it nine games in a row. And Andy Rogers came in as the managing director and it, you know, he was tasked pretty much with a kind of whole reboot of the club and that's you know things like culture that's how professional the club is how much investment there is he gave a presentation in late July so sort of as things were ramping up ahead of pre-season and basically explained what they were going to do and that was you know alignment in their thinking that they were going to have someone like Robert come in and as Charlotte says give him time to kind of execute a proper strategy they want to play a certain way 
They changed a lot of things like nutritionists, medical staff, all the behind the scenes stuff that maybe isn't so obvious on the pitch, but is so important to a football club. And also they've really tried and, and everyone we spoke to kind of echoed this to make it feel like more of one club. I think there was a point, not just with the women's team, but also Spurs our season, the academy, they were they all felt like these very separate entities. And so the big, big effort has gone into making them more aligned, as, as we spoke about before. And now, obviously, it's not a perfect world. You know, one day, Spurs women, they, they want to move to their own kind of complex and for that to be the best in the world. Obviously, at this point, like with most teams, you know, that they they have more and more access to the men's facilities, which which is a good thing and, and people are appreciative. Obviously, within that, there's a level to which you have to defer to the men's schedule and as I say in years to come hopefully that won't be the case they'll have everything they need but what a lot of people said is that the men's side they're very welcoming it does feel a lot more like we're part of one club rather than a okay yeah you can pop over you some of our stuff but you know hurry back you know which which maybe there's there's been a bit of in the past and maybe at some other clubs so yeah I think that's all part of what this reboot since March has looked like. Charlie there's also been a big focus on nutrition hasn't there I remember back in the day before they moved into their uh, new building on Hotspur Way in 2021 back in 2020 there was a report saying that in some of the facilities they had no fridge so they were eating jam sandwiches and I imagine it's a long way from that yeah. now it is a long way from that and a, and a big part of that is Hannah Sheridan who's come over from the men's side where she was for about six years I think and she's head of nutrition and she's really impressive and I think a lot of the players I spoke to said that's made a massive difference having someone with that specific focus on on nutrition and that team's only going to get bigger so things are much more carefully looked after now you know so that the players are eating the right things at the right times they have a chef that goes away with them to away games and can make things for them kind of before the game and straight away after the game so it's so much more slick uh, and professionalized and obviously Charlotte you were there sort of on match day so you saw kind of the types of things they were eating in the lead up to the game yeah on match day um you'd go up to your sh- the chef Michaela was there and they have a catering uh, meeting every week to decide what the players should have on offer to eat depending on the intensity and you tick uh, a box whether you want rice or pasta or salmon or chicken or with toppings or whatever you'd like. So very much catered to players' needs, whether they're vegan or gluten-free. On one of the days, it would be very varied. You'd have pumpkin and carrot soup or teriyaki chicken or tofu or grilled sea bass, sweet chili noodles, so a huge variety. They'd have strawberry and lime uh, electrolytes dotted around on the tables along with their cucumber and mint water. And they also had um, snacks in the afternoon provided for them, whether that was a a beetroot brownie or a protein pudding. And what I was quite amazed about, they have this, what they call the hub, which is where they put their water bottles and every player has a number for their water bottles and you'll have caffeine gum or collagen or extra vitamin D. And the nutritionist, you know, it's not just like a sweet shop where you go and pick whatever you want, but the nutrition's nutritionists will advise and educate and inform the players about their their food and, and what they're taking in but especially those on rehab might need extra collagen for example for muscle repair for example so that hasn't been the case and 
with Spurs, there was a high turnover of staff as well. Uh, and still today, I think there are some interim physical performance coaches. So having a full-time nutritionist dedicated to that is, is really important for the players. Sounds very tasty, if you're asking me. I also mm. like how they change the amount of carbs depending on how long the players have played, if they've been a sub or not. I thought that was really, really mm. interesting as well. Right, next up, we'll see if these changes and that big WSL win can help Spurs break into the top four. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to Full Time Europe from The Athletic. So Spurs are looking to get into the WSL top four of Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City and Man United. Going into the Christmas break, they're sixth. Chelsea are three points clear at the top. Man United and Liverpool are even on points in fourth and fifth after Liverpool beat United at the weekend. So Charlie, I know you asked Bethany England how she thought they could break into the top four. Let's have a listen to what she had to say. Yeah. Um, I would just say continue with the funding to push for expert, whether that's S&C, medical care, on-field stuff. I think even in terms of like providing us with the right kit and everything on time, I think we're finally getting there. But I remember last year, like the like kits not arriving on time for pre-season and even down to the smallest things like that is, is important in order to make an environment much more professional and taking along. But I think it's just, yeah, a lot of it is money and sourcing the people in the building because there's times last year where we had physios that were just overworked whereas now we're in a position where we've got more there's a better structure in place and people are able to manage times better to help everyone did you get a sense that there are bits in the setup that they're trying to improve to get to the top four i think recruitment is a key one and that's not just to say you know get the best players and you'll be the best team but now that they have a clear identity a clear playing style it makes that recruitment easier and being more proactive rather than reactive in your recruitment, but also recruitment off the pitch. As, as I just mentioned, you know, they still have some interim staff or Nike PhD student in the physical performance. So having that regular contact time and full-time staff is vital for them off the pitch. Without the money and the resources, it is hard to compete with those top four because they are dominating the recruitment market to get the best players. When I think it was Charlie spoke to Robert Villaham, he just said, we need better players. I think the biggest challenge is to do this kind of football. You need good players uh, and brave players. And I think when we compare the team we have against the top four in this league, they have so much more play, better players. To be honest, they, mm. their place is much better. So when you work with this type of play you need to be good because if you are a bottom team and you play against the top teams you're going to be punished which we was against Man City but when we enter to that level when the players develop or we bring in more players that can handle that level we're going to win against them but it's right now we are in a phase where we're trying to work with the performance but it's very hard against the top teams because their, their place is so good mm. so it's a big gap in England right now because the top four is too good 
Uh, on the other hand, a good day we will look very good and we will win anyway. But in the long end, uh, we need to, we need better players and players that, that can adapt to the way we want to play. I mean that that player recruitment is is really important, and they're aware of that. And they, you know, I think the way they see it is, you know, Robert will need a few transfer windows before, and 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 we hear about this a lot on the men's side as well with Postacoglu. It does take a little while before a squad, you know, really comes together and feels like the managers. So. You know, obviously, in these early stages, you're trying to implement your ideas, but the more time he has to bring in the kinds of players who he thinks are going to be able to play his kind of football, and even the recruitment of him, though, I think it speaks to a change at the club. You know, that the sense that Andy and others had was that previously appointments were made a little bit kind of off the cuff, and like, okay, yeah, we'll give that a go. Whereas this was a way more detailed, professional kind of approach to the hiring, uh, more in line with what the men's team do, which was, you know, you've got a long list and then you look at kind of every aspect of the different managers. So how do the teams play when they're up against top opposition or when they're really under pressure? Do you know, do they sacrifice their principles then? How are they with the media? All of these sorts of things. So, yeah, and I think that's uh, that approach to player recruitment as well is just becoming that bit more professional. Just to have a bit of organization to a plan is reassuring not only for the players but the staff as well that's why when you do lose 7-0 and then 4-0 you don't panic you don't kind of abandon those principles because they just are going to be those bumps in the road it's not going to be straightforward with player recruitment you've got to remember that Tottenham's midfield has pretty much been decimated so Olga Atenen is out Drew Spence is out with injury Evelina Summonen as well. Grace Clinton wasn't available to play against Manchester United. So they need depth. If you look at a Chelsea starting 11, those on the bench can make up another starting 11 as well. So strength and depth is really important for Villaham's side. But again, I was quite shocked that this was made obvious, but they want a positive and communicative environment they're looking for good human beings not necessarily disruptors in terms of personalities that comes into um, recruitment as well as not only your quality on the pitch but your personality off it I got the impression from your article as well that they were focusing on kind of young players 18 to to 25 year olds as well so I think it will be interesting to see what comes through in the years to come if they do stick it out with with Villaham Everyone should definitely check out that piece on The Athletic. We're going to have to wrap up this discussion here, though. Uh, plenty more information in that article. So thank you very much, Charlotte and Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. For more on Tottenham, make sure you check out our Spurs podcast, View from the Lane. In a moment, we're going to be chatting about Chelsea's Lauren James, who scored a stunner against Bristol at the weekend, but has unfortunately been the victim of online abuse recently. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to Full Time Europe with Sophie Penny. Chelsea's Lauren James has been targeted by online abuse after she stepped on Leo Valti's foot in the recent Arsenal game. We spoke last week with Art de Rocher about whether she should have been given a red card and also the parallels being drawn to her red card at the World Cup for stamping on Nigeria's Michelle Alozi. 
And Art rightly pointed out that this clearly came from a moment of frustration and we should not engage in a character assassination by any means. The Athletics Women's Football editor Chloe Morgan is with me now to discuss the abuse that Lauren James has been receiving. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Sav. First of all, I just want to say that we completely condemn all online and discriminatory abuse and Chelsea Football Club and Leah Valti herself have also put out statements echoing this. Let me play you Emma Hayes' response to what's been going on. I think it's disgusting the amount of abuse she's received from the public, from the media, from the press. We're talking about a young player here that no question is always working to learn in the background and bits and bobs, but some of the language I've seen used uh, to vilify her externally I think is unacceptable. Um, I I don't see the same level of abuse attributed to other players in the league who might have um, have had their own challenging moments. And I think it's fair to say that if I'm in her position, I'd be thinking that there is racial profiling going on. Uh, and I think it's important for the country to recognise she's an important talent and she is learning all the time and she makes mistakes. But I think some of the derogatory and very misleading conversations that are happening... Uh, during the commentary, during the games, on social media is something that everybody should reflect upon. Emma Hayes points out there that it is disgusting what's happening. We've already seen the FIFPRO report saying that one in five World Cup players were targeted by online abuse. So this is a prevalent problem. I think what we need to talk about here, Chloe, is that Emma Hayes points out that racial profiling has gone on. How important is it to recognise the role that race is playing in this abuse towards Lauren James? I think it's super important and I don't think it's something that can be ignored. And I think for any player uh, in the men's or the women's game, to be honest, when you know something like that happens, you only have to look at sort of the Euros, the men's team, not not too many years ago, where you had Bukayi Saka, um, you had a number of um, black players who came out to take penalties and, and the backlash that we saw from, from that incident was wild and that's that's not... The type of backlash that that players who who aren't black or mixed race or, or Asian players would would receive, I think um, absolutely. I think you know when players do something silly, there absolutely needs to be a, there needs to be that that criticism. Of course, you know bad fouls, bad tackles. I don't think anyone is saying you know we can't. Lauren James isn't like faultless in that in that foul. You know we're saying you know it, it shouldn't have happened. She shouldn't have done it. She should have learnt from the mistakes of of the World Cup. And it's right to have some criticism levied at her for that. It was it was a, an avoidable thing that she did. But at the same time, I think it's the racial element of that which takes it above what what is necessary. We shouldn't be looking at race in these incidences at all. So yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that there, there is this additional racial factor uh, in the abuse that takes place that that only occurs um, with with certain players. Emma Hayes also points out the role the media are playing in in this abuse. And I think it's really important to address the language that's used to describe the incident as well. There was a study carried out by Run Repeat, a Danish research firm, and they found in 2020 that commentators in the men's game were around 6.5 times more likely to talk about the power of the player if they have darker skin and just over three times more likely to reference their pace. Whereas lighter skin players were more widely praised for intelligence, hard work and quality. So there is evidence backing this up. And I wonder if the language 
used to describe the incident would have been very different if, if a white player did it. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think when you sort of look at maybe some of the incidences that have ca- occurred in the WSL, I mean, the one that sort of springs to mind for me is the um, the Howard Sissoko and Sarah Mailing incident from October last year, 2022. And, um, you know, both players sort of came to blows after after a foul and Sissoko was obviously sent off and Sarah Mailing received that, that yellow card. And, you know, when you look at the kind of... A, abuse that Sissoko got in relation and, and you compare that I suppose to, to the, the sort of criticism that was levied at, at Sarah Mailing it didn't it, it pales into significance it was you know Sarah Mailing sort of received a maybe a, a slap on the wrist and Sissoko was quite you know she received so much racial abuse that again the club had to release a statement on the website um to say that they condemn the racist abuse that, that's taking place and you know we we're quite fortunate actually for the the WSL media day this year that how Sissoko was one of the players that that West Ham put forward and you know she spoke really openly and honestly to us and you know she was you know she was she apologized for for the way that she acted in the in the Sarah Mailing incident but you know a large part of that was around this kind of misconception and and perception that I think a lot of people have that she's you know an an aggressive player you know she gets those kind of labels that that are levied at her and, and I think that's something that she didn't that she was saying she didn't anticipate coming into the WSL whereas I don't think you'd see the same kind of language being used to 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 white players in in the WSL so there are, there are subtle nuances, I think, in the language that's used across um, different types of players. You know, equality training definitely has to be involved in, in whether it is in coaching, refereeing, management, um, S&C, psych- sports psychology, that, that all has to play a factor. So, yeah, I'd always support that, that more training taking place. Yeah, and I think more training across the board as well to prevent this kind of abuse that Lauren James has, has been receiving because it is disgusting and and she must be going through a very difficult time right now and we we really stand with her. Thank you so much for speaking to me about this, Chloe. Appreciate it. No worries at all. Thanks, Soph. It's time to zoom in on a moment you might have missed, watching Chelsea and Lauren James in the Champions League on TV. You'll have heard Full Time Europe is sponsored by Google Pixel. Now it's time to go beyond the frame with Jesse Parker Humphreys. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. Everything you're about to hear has been recorded using Google Pixel's Audio Magic Eraser tool. That means that instead of our journalists' audio being drowned out by the crowd, the audio sounds just the way the journalist you're about to hear wants you to. You'll hear them loud and clear thanks to Audio Magic Eraser removing distracting sounds in Beyond the Frame. Requires Google Photos app. May not work on all images or all audio elements. One thing that was really heartening to see at Stamford Bridge was the amount of support Lauren James got. She didn't start this game. It's obviously been a tough week for her. Chelsea having to put a statement out about the abuse she's received after an incident involving Leah Volti in the game against Arsenal the previous week. But despite being on the bench, uh, it was clear when she was coming to warm up all along, all the fans were up singing her name. Um, as she went up and down the sidelines, obvious how much she is supported uh, at the club at the moment. And it was reciprocated in kind by Lauren after the match. She spent a long period of time taking photos, signing autographs with the fans. It's obviously something we see a lot in the women's game, but after what had been a really tough week for her, um, it wouldn't have been a surprise if, if she didn't feel like doing that kind of thing. So shows just how important that community is, that bond between James and and the fans themselves and and the support that the club can offer to a player who's going through a tough time. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. 
For more on Lauren James or to check out that behind-the-scenes piece from Spurs, go to The Athletic. If you're celebrating the festive season, why not gift an Athletic subscription? You can get one year for $19.99 and two years for $39.99. Just head to theathletic.com slash gift. And why not give us a gift too, in the form of a rating and a review or a follow on your podcast feed. To get in touch, send us an email on fte at theathletic.com or drop us a message on at the Athletic FC on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back soon for our review of 2023. Until then, bye-bye. You've been listening to Full Time Europe, part of the Athletic Football Podcast Network. The producer was Sophie Penny and the executive producer was Abby Patterson. To discover and listen to other great athletic podcasts just like this one, including our brand new daily football briefing, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Athletic.